You made your luck check. It's the No Class Podcast. With your hosts, Eddie. And Matt. And special guest, Gary H. Not Gary O. We've got Gary H. Greetings. So now we're really trying to get fancy. So hopefully our sound quality will be good. So good. Well, let's see. All right. You got anything we need to talk about? Well, off the top, off the cuff here, off the top of my head, you know, we're coming up on the very first long con spring. Yeah. It's weird. It doesn't seem like it. Well, it shouldn't be the very first because one got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes it that the true believers know the whole, the story. And it's the son of the red river. Absolutely. RPG con. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, this is exciting because, you know, we, we'd always went back and forth, uh, different energy at different times for a spring con. And so it's finally coming to fruition. And the good thing is you don't have to listen to us plug it because we're sold out. Yeah, that's a done deal. And the only reason why we could have sold more tickets, people were clamoring, but we're looking out for the faithful. We're keeping it low numbers. We're still in a weird time. Because we're still in the the time time of the COVID. Good rhythm, boys. Uh, but anywho, but also is before Long Con, we're what? going to be at MagCon. MagCon. In the, the only big. con with mags. That's right. It's, it's Magnum Caliber Gaming, I'd like to think. Um, yeah, what is the, what's the significance of mag? I actually read it the other day, and uh, now I could not tell you for any purpose. It was a great impact on you. Um, but no, we're excited about checking out MagCon, and we're uh, going to be running games there. We've got... I think, what, one <laughs> player or something signed up? Yeah, one apiece per game session or yeah. something like that. The one thing that we don't have anybody signed up for is we're doing Barbarians of the Ruined Earth. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's got the word of mouth yet mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, I need to get that. Mm-hmm. But if we get some players, I think that will, that if you play that game, you will enjoy that game. If you well, want a wild and crazy ride. Mm-hmm. Let, let me toot our horn. We were the Johnny Appleseeds of DCC. Nobody in East Texas has ever heard of it. No one. And we ran it at the local game store's name I won't mention. And Geek World. At Geek World. And the next oh, thing you know. Oh, and Dragon's Lair. And Dragon's Lair. And next thing you know, people were, were playing some DCC. So They smelled what you were cooking. Exactly. That's right. And so I'd like to think, hopefully, if we, we might spread the disease with uh, barbarians and Mike Evans might, you know, sell a few more copies. Because it's fun. It's, it's a ton of fun. I would love to see the demographics just for how many copies we've sold around here. Right. Well, if you I know, can go, oh, I've sold this amount, you know, like in New York City, I sold 100 copies. Well, but for some reason in Longview, Texas, I sold 10. Yeah, so well, by population, that's... Yeah, I mean the equivalent of I, a billion. Mike's got to see that probably if he does, he's probably like my boys, you know. Yeah. But anyway, this is practically becoming the the Mike Evans, you know, podcast. Love fest. Love fest. Yeah. Because of course, as usual, I love hubris. If you ever buy one piece of gaming paraphernalia, hubris. How is, about if we say we like his gaming stuff, but we hate him as a person? I that like way, that. it's not too yeah, suck yeah, up. There you go. Yeah. Fuck you, might not be. Anyway, <laughs> he'll appreciate that. Though. <laughs> he would because he's totally punk and he's cool. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So, but no, no. So we're excited about MagCon. Excited about our first Spring Con. Right so, around the corner is NTRPG, where we are special guests. Toot toot. They're scraping the barrel again, you know. Huh? Hey, I'll take uh, it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's like last time we got to be special guests, but like this time we're in the 
celebrity game. We're in the celebrity luncheon or whatever. I'm I don't just even like, know if they had those last time, though. Yeah, I know. So we're getting the so deluxe like, treatment this I time. I can't fit my big old head through the, the doorway. But I, I'll tell this story. It's kind of funny. Down the line, like, we're special guests here or there. My wife is like, meh, you know, nerd gamer crap. But when I told her that people, someone was going to pay a price to play in a celebrity game with us and told yeah. her how much the ticket cost, that was the first time my wife's like, wow, you guys really are like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, really, dear? You know. Well, but. I'll extra pimp the podcast or whatever, but yeah. when I hear from somebody from the podcast and tell my wife, somebody's listening. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like, wow. She, she wants to touch the, you know, the new new there, you know. And I don't stop her. Because <laughs> why would you? And I don't care if her parents are listening to the podcast, Matt. <laughs> Never break eye contact. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, Oh, yeah. I lost my train of thought on that one. That's fine. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go into our pop culture topics? Not off the top of my head. Except for one quick thing. Thank you, everyone that listens. We really appreciate y'all. And as usual, there's me begging for any kind of input, feedback, topics, something you want us to talk about. You know, talk about the new tax code. Man, if that's what you want, you know, we'll help you sleep really well. You know, uh-huh. But thank you. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you give us something to review, like you say, hey, why don't you check out this or that? We will. And if you send us this or that, we definitely will. And you know, but you know what? Money talks and other stuff walks. Maybe if we had some sort of paraphernalia or something. Oh, drug paraphernalia. Gotcha. Exactly. Like if you submit us a question, we'll send you a roach clip with a feather attached to it or something. Well, here's the other thing where you guys could have just a ton of fun. We're trying to come up with a logo or something for the podcast yeah. specifically because you yeah. always see our long con stuff and yes yeah. this whole thing is a machine towards the long con but it would be cool for us to get our I'm own shameless. little shirts for me and matt to wear around just so you can go like look at those guys losers yep yeah. we'll wear our, our own merch we are yeah. proud to do it exactly it's sad but we do it <laughs> all right okay Books. You got some books or comic books. Sadly, I have been so busy. I have not had any opportunity to read. Well, good. Then I can give you the shame. Have you read any of Gideon Falls? Uh, no. Okay. I stand corrected. Uh, okay. Thank you, Matt Brown, for recommending Gideon Falls. I've read about half of the first issue, and I, I'm, I'm engaged. Wow. Okay. So last time when we talked about uh, Transmetropolitan, uh-huh. you were like, okay, I can tell how much you liked it because you read like... What did I read? Five issues, six issues? And I devoured eight issues or something. So when I said I haven't read the whole thing, I think you were like, he doesn't like it. So right. guess what on Gideon Falls? Guess what? Guess. You hate it. No, I've read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's no rhyme or reason with us. It's too funny. But anyway, okay. Well, Transmetropolitan was like manic. That was like, am I on drugs? Yeah. So, well, literally, the main character is constantly on drugs. But, but again, he's supposed to be... The Hunter S. Thompson of Which the I like his stuff. I like I his Hunter books. Thompson, I like the movies. Yeah. But for some reason, translating it over into the comic... I don't know. It's it's weird. Fran- frenetic. It's just yep. too too much. Too busy. Manic. Gideon Falls. Okay. Man, now I'm worried I'm going to give something away from you if you're only oh, halfway into the first. Don't you dare. I'm that guy. Don't you spoil it for me. So would you say it's creepy and eerie? 
Oh, absolutely. It drips with that. Would you say it's mysterious or have you even got far enough for there to be a mystery? No, yeah, obviously, because there's the preacher and like, what happened to the previous preacher? And oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Hey, Matt Brown told me about this months ago and I'm kicking myself I didn't get to it sooner. And the bit that I got to read, I enjoyed, but I've just, I've honestly been pretty busy, but. Well, to say too much of this is a spoiler. It quickly gets into spoiler territory. Cool. But there is a fallen preacher mm-hmm. comes to the small town mm-hmm. where there's a mysterious black barn. And I think, oh, oh you haven't got to I've got the even a mysterious barn. black barn yet. Yeah. But, but this but, is back cover blurb but, stuff but, that but I can't There's the one guy early on that's got some sort of a mental history and he goes to a therapist and he's finding that's little the next bits line. of like, yeah, carry on, carry on. A mental patient in the city is finding pieces, nails, old wood in the trash that are making pieces of a mysterious old black barn. Mm-hmm. So this is like a lot of mysteries. The real trick is the ending. Mm, can they stick it? Exactly. Yeah. So I enjoyed the comic, but your appreciation of the comic is going to depend on how much you like the ending. Uh, You're either going to go like, yes, that was the perfect ending, or no, that was an unsatisfying ending. Hmm. Like when everybody was watching Lost. Did you ever get yeah. into Lost? No. And, Me and I'm glad I didn't because in the Me end, too. everybody was so, after how many years of faithfully following this, waiting in little false leads and clues just to get like, ha ha, you know. Exactly. So yeah. a lot of times I won't even watch a show like that now until it's done. Well, like you always said, you were kind of jealous of me coming into Breaking Bad towards the end because you thought you'll never have to sit through through six months of that cliffhanger. Like if there's a cliffhanger episode and I'm like, well, it's going to go to bed. I got work tomorrow. Oh, what? Cliffhanger? Uh-uh. Let me stay up and see. I got to find out what happens next. I don't have to wait six months, you know. And you don't have that one bum episode. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't like the episode of Breaking Bad that's the fly Mm-hmm. which is that whole episode they try and kill a fly and it's building dramatic tension. But when that's your one episode for the week, it was kind of a letdown. When you're doing the binge watch, you're like, yeah, okay, next episode. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of, the bad episode doesn't linger on with you or whatever. I just got through binge watching um, The Big Bang Theory. I never watched it when it was on. I watched all 12 seasons. Wow. Wow. You know, it's funny. It's, it's kind of people, it's like a love or hate with that one. But no, I've caught myself because I get stuck in patients' rooms and have to watch a lot of uh, reruns or something of different shows. That 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 I enjoy. Yeah, it's funny. You know, there's a few episodes I've caught of Young Sheldon. Funny. Check that one out. Anyway. Okay. Do you have any more books, comic books? I don't think we do. That's strictly So that'll roll us that. right into TV, which we're already talking oh about. My, you got yeah. any TV to talk about? No, but like I said, uh, Gary's been checking out, apparently just devoured. Uh, and that's the beauty of being able to binge stuff in this day and age. But so yeah, you just watch that. Um, I, we're still hearing that dribs and drabs because I've been busy, but Steph and I are still wa- watching Deadwood. But I think mm-hmm. the nature of it is starting to wear on her. Well, I mean, you have to figure these are awful, terrible people oh, yeah. doing awful, terrible things, and they never seem to get their comeuppance. And you have to, and then a lot of good people die. It sounds like a show that you weren't particularly fond of. I like the show. I don't like the books. You like the show, but like for instance, you didn't like uh, uh, Game of Thrones because that's I mean, what we're talking about. Oh, oh yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So the show is okay because when you read a book, to me at least, it's kind of more intimate. Yeah, yeah. You're more involved in it. You're putting more of a commitment. Mm-hmm. So reading it as a book, you're just like, ah, oh, it just keeps getting worse and worse as yeah. the situation gets worse and worse, should I say. Yeah. Not the, the writing or anything. The right. quality didn't go down. Just the situation kept getting worse and worse. Whereas a TV show, you're a little bit more 
you have a, another layer of separation or something. I but think. I'll make it interesting when we're talking about Game of Thrones. I remember you're reading it, and there's a part where, like, the whole time you'd be going, oh, I want Joffrey to get his, I want him to get his. And when he finally dies, it's like, and Joffrey chokes to death and he dies. And you kind of go, yes, and it's kind of satisfying. Watching it play out on the screen graphically with him turning red and purple and his eyes bulging, his tongue sticking out, there were a lot of people that were almost like, damn, now I kind of feel bad for him. We're reading the book you didn't. I was not one of those people. Well, I know that. If You're he'd a, been covered in fire ants while all that was going on, I still would have been like, that's still fine. You'd still been going, die, you little Somebody SOB. kick him. Yeah, we'll kick him in the face <laughs> while he's down in the tank. But anyway, um, but yeah, so. Which that kid was a fantastic actor. That no, he was, and I feel bad. He literally he took, I think, all the money he made and gave it to charity and then quit acting because he became so, like, people on the street would spit on him or something. Yeah. Whereas I wouldn't be that guy. I can separate yeah. the well, actor I mean, from the character. Yeah, because it turns out, I think, in real life, I mean, this kid is just an incredibly wonderful yeah. human being. He, he's just an actor who's good at his trade. But unfortunately, like, to people that say, what's your name? Suzanne Lucci. There are people on the street that, like, boo at her. and she. But she, that's how she won how many... Uh, daytime television awards for playing Erica Kane or whatever, the famous soap bad girl, you know, whatever. Well, I Suzanne old, Lucci or something. Yeah. The old episodes of Little House on the Prairie with uh, the one blonde girl. Uh -huh. That was kind of their nemesis. Uh -huh. She actually got all kinds of hate from people. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, she was probably around that time one of the most hated characters on TV. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <sighs> we went down the rabbit hole there a little bit. Yep. All right, you got any movies? Uh, again, super busy, unfortunately. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah, it's, I've been busy. Been pretty, it's 14, 16 I know you've been busy, days. but yeah, yeah, that's really busy, busy. Yeah, well, usually I'll unwind after, say, a long day with a little bit of old potato water and a, and a trashy B movie from the 80s, but it's been that, that busy, that crazy. Well, I'll tell you what else you didn't have time for. Some video games. Oh, and I did play some video games. All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. First, Demon Souls. Dun, dun, dun. I think I had started that in the last podcast. Yeah, you mentioned you were back. Like, you were like, literally, no, this will be what I'll talk about next time. So, I'm still kind of up in the air on it. I like it. It's more Dark Souls, which, hey, I'm always good with that. No one is a bigger fan. But that lack of bonfires and checkpoints and having to make the walk of shame back, that's the one biggest thing, my biggest complaint that I have. I had one zone that I was able to summon somebody in to help me. And actually, some of two people in, they walked me, they handheld me through it. Like, oh, I know you're supposed to go around this corner and that corner instead of having to do all the which way do I go, which way do I go. Mm -hmm. They knew exactly where to go, you know, like, oh, by the way, there's an enemy hidden over here. So, yeah, they held my hand. We went through the whole level together. It took us like 30, 40 minutes. Wow. And then we got to the end boss and, and they died. died. Yeah. So that was. On them, it was a waste of time because you don't really get anything unless you defeat that end boss. Um, it gets easier to get back to the boss after you've opened some stuff up, mm -hmm. but it's still, it's just so annoying to not have that one or two checkpoints in there like you would have in Dark Souls. Yeah, that's kind of an old school thing to like, you know, you have to play, like play through a whole level. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the things I don't miss from the old days. And as you may know from some of the Dark Souls, you get the really, really confusing areas. Do you mm -hmm. remember in Dark Souls 3, there was that one prison area? Oh, yeah. So There's the drop holes and backways and elevators. And so guess where they got that idea from? From Demon Souls. So that one's almost a complete lift mm -hmm. where you're like, oh, it's got the same kind of build. It's got the same type of enemy. 
-hmm. So it's like, oh, I've already done this once and I really didn't like of all the zones to skip, I could have skipped that one. And it's like, here it is again. I have no idea where I'm going. There's so many locked doors where it's like, did you find the key? Well, then you just walk this way for 10 minutes for no reason. You're going to have to go back to the other side and do this. Oh, and guess what? You have respawns behind you or something, right? No, luckily not. If you've oh, killed it, it's still dead. But okay. if you die, all your progress is lost. And yes, just everything like, respawns. Just like Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I put that right up there with water levels. Everyone loves them. There is a hide-and-go-seek boss in this one where you have to sneak past him. There is a, uh, it's not the title, well, kind of, sort of, but there is a, what is it, the intro when they're showing you the big, ah, oh, this is what's going to go on in the game, and here's one of the big enemies. So there's this really cool demon that kind of looks dragonish. It's I think it's the Elder Dragon or something like that, and you're like, this is going to be the most epic fight ever. Mm -hmm. No. You have to sneak past him and get to the, not the catapult, but the, what, Trebuchet or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're shooting the uh, arrows at him, giant mm -hmm. arrows. Like a scorpion. Scorpion, that's it. Yeah. So you hit him one time with that, and then there's another one on the other side. So you have to sneak over to the first one without getting hit, because if he hits you, you will die. In one hit. And you have to sneak. That's the whole thing. Sneaking in this game where there has been no stealth. It's not a stealth you, game. And I know you love sneaking. In certain games, some like, games. Think about uh, Fallout seventy six. Yeah, Fallout. Yeah, you're you're a sneaky bastard, but stealth but sniper. But I remember you talking about the Last of Us. You're like, Ugh, I hate it. You sneak all the time. Yeah, yeah. but it depends on the game. If that, if it's like this is the whole purpose of the game is to sneak. Typically, I won't be into it. Yeah, where it's just about not being seen because I'll get seen. I'm that guy. Yeah, and in this one, it was like if you get spotted, you will get one shotted, and you will have to do it again and again. And anyway. that was definitely the boss that it took me the longest to beat. And if I say I did it 30 times, Ugh. that would not be an exaggeration, I don't think. I try not to. It's so, painful. Painful to watch. So as we've said in some things, the old, is this fun? Do I have to keep playing this? Mm -hmm. Do I want to keep playing this comes up? The completionist. But being completionist that I am, yeah. Um, some of the bosses, though, especially were just total freaking jokes where it was like, I don't see how, you know, Dark Souls has its reputation for the, like, oh, this boss is so hard. There were some of them, and there were two of them back to back where it was like, did you remember to bring arrows? You win the fight because you're up on a ledge. He can't reach you. Shoot down for 10 minutes because he's got the hit points you got to whittle down. But that's it. There is no risk. Wow. So it had some good parts. But it had some really just awful bosses. Anticlimactic, it sounds yeah. like. Because yeah. I'll say that about Dark Souls, man. I mean, my first intro was three. And, man, those bosses, yeah, there's not a one of them that's not, you know, yeah, you're going to earn it. Yeah. yeah. Well, in this, I would say the zones are the bosses. Uh, and your resolve and will, determination to play is the boss for me. <laughs> Do you have the tenacity that you want to beat this game enough. You, know, you are, have the desire to keep punching yourself. Are you yourself. enough of a masochist? Yeah. Yeah. And you can see a lot of ideas from Demon Souls that ended, to get, ended up getting recycled into the series. Mm -hmm. So if you're like me and you've played all of them and you're going back, it's a lot of like, yeah, okay, this, that's where this came from. So, mm -hmm. so you're saying they, they recycle some content. Yeah, for sure. But it's a loving homage, right? Sure. If it's your own stuff. Yeah. Okay, but I, I did beat the game, 
And as I went through, yeah, so many, so many, so many of the bosses just sucked. You didn't have to do anything to beat them. I would say definitely more than half of them. There's probably two or three bosses that you're like, oh, that guy's kind of hard, but he's not really even Dark Souls hard. Yeah. Um, I would say if you've never played any Dark Souls, that this would be a good one to start with. Really? Just for the bosses. If you didn't have that horrible walk-up to deal with, these would be the the one, if you could just go straight to bosses, this would be the way to learn, like, Dark Souls. So, I'm kind of still digesting on it right now, what I think it's mixed for me. Uh, I had talked about in Mortal Shell that it might compare more favorably to Demon Souls than does Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I will say that. It compares with Dark so Demon Souls that it is a lot slower in pace. The armor is a lot more valuable because there are so many enemies in this where you're just like, I've got 100% physical uh, reduction shield. You can swing at me all day, and I've got the stamina. It doesn't matter. Come at me. Hmm. Actually, slightly amusing story. There was one enemy that he must have had a cursed weapon or something along those lines because every time he used it, he took damage. Mm -hmm. I stood there with my shield up and he killed himself on my shield. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. Good times. Yeah. Very weird game. As much as I love the uh, Dark Souls series, but yeah. so mortal shell. Dun, dun, dun. Did you get a little time for that? Did you make a little time for the podcast and play that game? Last night, perfectly sober. After I got back from hospitality, I queued it up. And played for about eh, about an hour and a half. And what did you think? Well, what do I think about Mortal Shell? What I'll tell you is, per my notes that I tried to take, um, the graphics aren't bad. Uh, it's got some of that Dark Souls feel, but not the spark, mm, uh, the magic, okay. if you will. Uh, starting over when you die is old school, but not fun. We just talked about that. And then I got to fight your buddy Grisha. That's like that first... Guess the first boss. You'll have to. I, the guy with the big dark blades for hands, kind of fuzzy. Oh, that's not even a boss. That's a sub boss. That's he's hilarious. in that little cave. Right? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. But you have to fight the guys that'll jump on you and munch on your neck first. Which actually, I didn't have a hard time with those guys at all. But but Grisha, I'm you know me. After about my twelfth time fighting him, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break before I lose my temper. But he pounded me for a while. Even, oh, yeah, I mean, no, he's... you haven't been freshly playing Dark Souls, yeah. but you beat Dark Souls 3. Oh, yeah. And you know still, that. this guy was a challenge, right? No, no, and I'm doing my tumbling and stuff, but even with tumbling and doing the double tumble around him, still, he would get this thing where he'll do this, this elbow bump. Even though you're behind him, he'll swing his elbow back, and even the elbow bump will knock seven-eighths of your hit points off. You're like, what? Come on. But that is kind of the, like I said, that one's not meant for rolling. you got to yeah. get out of that rolling mindset because Dark Souls yeah. 3 is all about rolling, rolling away. Yeah. With that, if you get that hardening mm -hmm. technique down, then you can shield through some of it. And the problem with that is, you know, I'm that guy, if a game has got blocking or something like that, I'm never going to block. Yeah. If, like, yeah, you've told me that before. Yeah. So Demon Souls is maybe not for you. Yeah. But Demon Souls, by the way. But now I'm talking about Mortal Shell. I know, I know. Yeah. But uh, magic is way overpowered in Demon Souls too. So yeah. you may want to try yeah. that and do a mage build. I wish I had done that, but mm. I went melee. 
I didn't min-max my stuff. So yeah. I, no, I was really way under-leveled when I finished. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I could have made it even easier. Because mm -hmm. I remember the first time I played Dark Souls, when you bought me a copy of Dark Souls 2, I think, for PC on Steam for mm -hmm. Christmas. I was like, I'll make a wizard. Yeah, that didn't last long. Uh -uh. But Demon Souls is the one where you could do that. Well, that's good to know. But Mortal Shell. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything you wanted to say on that? Did you get any? Did that's you find the one shell? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you find any more shells? No, I, I mean I played for about an hour and a half, but now I found the one warrior shell, and I like the concept. It's interesting that when you 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 get knocked out of the shell, nah. you can scramble back and you jump back into it. You're at full health, but then if you get knocked out again, you have to start over. So I'll give him that. That wasn't too bad. So he did play it for the podcast so yeah. we could discuss it a little bit but if you seriously want to play it at some time i would see right now and i'll get to what i'm actually playing right now when i'm done with that i could see me playing this well the thing with that is i, I had fun with it i had fun you can basically run to the other shells and get them because it's dark souls esque where it's like you died but you really didn't lose anything mm -hmm. so you can get to those shells and then you may go Oh, this guy makes it so much better because I like his play style. Like, he's got a lot more stamina. That's what I need. With the, Like, the one you're fighting now, you're probably running out of stamina on your rolls. Yep, yep. There's ones where it's like, he has no hit points, but he has all the stamina in the world. So, if you're really rolling around and parrying mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, oh, yeah. yeah. But now, the hardening is a cool concept. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, no, I definitely I could see me playing this, definitely. For sure. All right. The game you are playing is? Yes. Even though, like I said, I've been super busy. In the evenings when I get home trying to unwind, I'm playing. I'm back on the wagon or off the wagon. I'm playing Fallout 76 again. The much maligned Fallout 76. Still some bugs that are there that have been there from the beginning. You got moonwalking cows. You got some animals clipping into the world. Uh, you know, but overall... It, it's it's a lot of fun. Which we had a lot of fun with 76, so I got nothing against it. Absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you. You need to let me know sometime because I'm kind of getting in the, the mood of wanting to play it again. So. Well, that's phenomenal. And, in fact, I'll, I'll tell myself I've even playing paying for the uh, Fallout first right now. So, yeah. So, you know. Um, so to talk about some of the things I love about the game, the Shadow to Light transition, you ever pay attention like when you go to walk into some uh, – uh, ruined structure and it's broad daylight outside at first you you're you kind of go blind for a second just like mm -hmm. in real life when you walk from it's really bright outside into a, a dark house like for like about a second there you're like whoa whoa and then your eyes transition or when you walk from the ruins out into bright sunlight there's that second where you're anyway the fact that they put that into the game and the graphics it's stuff like that that blows my mind and um like the other day i'm on top of the uh the reconditioned munitions factory mm -hmm. and i'm shooting down with my uh handmade at the super mutants yeah and i mean the shells are hitting the tin roof and rolling down as i'm like da, 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 and i'm just like ah oh, that's just there's something visceral about that it's just a lot of fun um and that's where the feedback from the controller comes into where you get that vibration uh-huh some quests are fun mad dog malone i know that's one of my favorites yeah he's over here chuckling um the, the crazy computer ai's like the grafton mayor the warden at the penitentiary you know, they're fun. Um, Bethesda is good at telling stories with just graphics. And I'll tell you this. So there's there's the part over, over near Grafton, that part of the game world is called, I can't remember now, but it's all bleached out and mm -hmm. blasted and the water looks all murky and 
yellow and, and unhealthy, you know, and it's really bright. Anyway, there's a kind of a body of water that has a uh, Mylert queen out in it usually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a, there's a structure. Well, I mean, if you ever jump up on top of there, like if you get uh, the mutation marsupial, well, then you'll find, oh, look, there's a cache of stuff, and you'll probably loot that and leave. But if you go further around the edge, oh, look, you see where someone had a picnic on top of this place. Now, was this before the war, after the war? Hmm, there's a picnic basket, a picnic blanket, a bottle of wine's tipped over, you know, some plates where some food was. Then there's another kind of a level to the roof over here. Probably no reason to go up there, but if you go up there, well, then you find there's a metal pipe with a corpse handcuffed to it. Mm-hmm. And then just outside of arm's reach is a handsaw, and nearby is a table, is a chair with a book sitting inside like someone just sat there reading a book watching somebody i mean this 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 tableau mm-hmm. that paints this mental picture there's a story without any you know what I'm saying? i mean they're really good at anyway there's a lot of that stuff in the world that's where my first camp was at up in that area oh wow yeah interesting weird. yeah my, my one first real big camp was at uh, the golf course God, I got tired of being attacked by mutants and getting nuked. So I was like, or by like, uh, uh, what do you call the the scorch beast or whatever? But anyway, yeah, I, I, Fallout is is the stuff. Um, I love post apoc We all know, and but I'll say this about Fallout Three. Talking about Fallout, some of the best moments of my life: the birth of my children, marrying my current wife, meeting me. And the first flawless headshot with a 50 caliber sniper rifle in Fallout 3. Mmm, chills. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, enough about my love for Fallout. Well, no, speaking of your love for Fallout, yeah. are you familiar with The Outer Worlds? That was made by the people that originally made Fallout. Which is like, well, like Black Obsidian. Isle. Obsidian, which was Black Isle. Was Black Isles, and you know how which things. Which they also did the old uh, D and D games that we loved back in the day. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I can't conjure their names right now, but they're the original people that made Fallout before Vestida got their hands on it. Which you know. So I was in the process of building my character as you guys showed up today. Oh wow! So I really can't say anything about it but i have high hopes i'm, I'm, I'm yeah mm-hmm. those guys are great because you know they they came back even after they let bessie to have the rights they did fallout vegas and there are people like my nephew that'll tell you as much as people rave about three he's a big fan of fallout new vegas. vegas new vegas yeah so you know all right yeah that it for video games I don't, any input? all right all right well, before we get to our topic, to drag it out just a little bit longer, mm-hmm. is I've been doing a first edition D&D group, and this is where the really braggadocious part of it comes and in. And I am Jelly. Not only are we getting to play first edition for the people out there that would love to play first edition and find a group of that, it's in the middle of the day while everybody's working, so we can do that and still have all the free time with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And it's the all-vaccinated group now. Mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. But we've been playing the Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, which you were going to say five times fast. What's that? You were going to say it five times fast? No, thank you. Which is also... Hey, let me try this. Five times fast? Which is also known as the... what? It's the... Oh, what's Ghosts of Saltmarsh now. Yeah, They yeah, kind of yeah. re-put it out, the whole thing. That's, I'm, uh, I expect that covers you... One, U two, and U three—all that underwater series. 
It covers U2? Yeah, you get the new U2 album for free on this podcast. <laughs> Bono is the main villain. <laughs> but it's made me think about some things of old school playing and just so many of the things that were like, was that ever fun? Was this ever a fun piece of, not was the game itself fun, but certain parts of it. Yeah. For example, just having a move and attack, that didn't make it more tactical mm-hmm. where you could, you know, were you going to wait for the monsters to move into you or are you going to move in for them to them and let them get the shot on you first? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you can't do any of this fifth edition. I'm going to move in, attack, and move away or something. Yeah. And the typical uh, healing. Like, wow, you just got kaboomed down. Now you can go back to the inn and get your one hit point for the night. Yep. But luckily, if you have a certain amount, say you have over 30 hit points, you know, after a month of rest, a full month of rest, you get all your hit points back. It's Candyland. And people would say, well, that's more realistic, but then again, it's a fantasy and is realism more fun, you know. Do you actually want to take a month off in your game, too? I mean, you don't have to take a a real-world month off, but you've still got to fill out that month. But but here's a curious thing is, there were times back in the days where it's like the wizard would be like, I want to use this game time to research and make a spell or an item. It's like, well, we don't want to malinger around town. Well, then when the warriors were malingering to heal up, that gave the wizard, who hopefully stayed the hell away from combat, time to go do, right? Yes. And, and the other benefit of, of having that long healing time is that your character is actually aged. And so you, you ran the risk in a long campaign mm-hmm. of um, getting those negatives for when you got older. I mean, in the current um, role-playing games, nobody even keeps track of, of time, really. Yeah, so your character were, never ages. So there was some benefit to doing it that way back then. Because, I mean, this is the guy that I cut my teeth with in old school gaming, and we had to play smart because you had, A, those older game dynamics that would penalize you if you didn't play smart, and plus, you know, Gary was no slouch as a game master. I'm not saying he's a sadist, but he's a sadist. Well, I think we have said many times that the old school stuff is good if you want to be a careful, strategic player. Mm -hmm. If you want to rush in and kick open the door, good luck with that. So I, I've said that's more of a thinking man's edition. And this module actually comes out and says, this is a thinking person's adventure. So not only do you need to be careful because of the edition, be extra careful because this module says, <laughs> out of the modules, this one you're going to need to be and careful that in. that being said, you have a wonderful anecdote from your first play session, I believe I've been hinted at by somebody. Yeah, so that will take us to one not topic, but we'll call this the sub-boss, crits and fumbles. Uh-huh. How do you feel about crits and fumbles? So here's the little story. We were playing. The thief decides to go down in the well just because, no, no particular reason. They just showed up. why wouldn't you? And uh, so they get to the house, this quote-unquote haunted house. Before they go in, there's a well. They go down. The thief goes down in the well. Mm-hmm. In this well... In a little hole lives a little snake. And when somebody comes down into There's the a well, well with a hole with a snake. <laughs> and when somebody goes down in this well, mm-hmm. the snake gets aggravated and takes a shot at him. Sure. So being old school, mm-hmm. there's really not this much plus to hit, kind of like now where it's like, I'm a first level character and I have a plus six on all my rolls. Nope, it's just straight up rolls. So it's like, okay, you miss, snake misses. You miss. Snake misses back and forth. And it's like, 
eh, maybe I'll just crawl out. Maybe I'll just climb up. Why not? Yeah. Now, one more, one more, one more round. Player misses. The thief misses again. Snake crits. Oof. So I, we had said this before in our session zero, which session zero is very important. Very important. Do we want to have crits and fumbles? How do you guys feel about it? Oh, yeah. So everybody's like, yeah, they add extra excitement to the game. Mm -hmm. So I said, here we go. Roll a, I think it was a D10 for the location. And the player got to roll all this. So, uh -huh. hey, my hands, are, my hands are completely clean here, folks. Yeah. So he rolls, I think it was a 10, which Oof. put it in the head. Oof. Then it was roll a D20 to see how bad it is. Mm -hmm. So anything above a 13 is, you know, as good as a nat 20. Uh -huh. So if you roll above 13, you might as well have rolled a 20 because it's going to be bad. So I'd say roll low. 15. So consult my charts. Was this say? Head destroyed. Instant death. Three times damage. Why is there three times damage? I don't know. Yeah. But this is a first level character with first edition hit points. So three times anything is pretty much going to kill them. Right, right. So that was... Did a, his face off. Yeah, that was an outright death. No, I said a, he... Because I think he had kind of like fumbled into it. Mm -hmm. So his head was down, and I said, it bit you right in the skull. It is, it's got its fangs embedded in your skull now. <laughs> and it just shot the poison into your brain. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, technically you've killed the snake because it's never getting away from you, yeah. but it got you, which is what matters. Yeah, eye for an eye. Yeah. So that's where it goes. What do you guys think about crits and fumbles? Well, maybe we've changed our mind. But what do you sit in the peanut gallery at the table? They are still good with crits and fumbles. You mean in, in, in gaming in general or in D&D? &D? In gaming in general, I'm not a fan of it. Well, I think if it's built into the system uh, yeah. at a base level, it becomes, it's good. A, it becomes a house rule otherwise. Right, but if it's one of these things you tack on, usually they tend to be not very well balanced. So. I, for me anymore, it goes, the litmus test, is it quick, is it simple? It sounds like you're having to refer to subcharts and charts. Right there, I'm like, meh. Just keep it mean and lean. Like, let's let's maximize your damage die. It's about like or, DCC. Yes. Yeah, it's and, like, okay, you what's know. your armor? What's your fumble die? Okay, roll this and roll that. Yeah. So. Just, which, again, let me whine about, the, oh, you go to refer these tables. It doesn't take that long once you're conversing. So it wasn't it. bad in that way. It's not like this is making extra work for me. What yeah. makes it bad for me is the wild spike in damage. Yeah. Where I'm going to hit you, I'm going to crit you more times than you're going to crit me. Yeah. And it's going to be a hilarious story when that one little snake in the hole in the well smacks you. But if you had crit that snake, we wouldn't even talked about it at the end of the day. We'd have never spoke of this again. Yeah, which, which you've made for a great story that you'll tell for years probably. But so. the same thing with Fumble is when my goblin is charging in the dungeon and he trips over his sword and decapitates himself. Yeah, okay, that's funny for then or maybe that session. But when it's your fighter that threw his sword across the room and killed the wizard and then <laughs> fell into the pit of despair, that's what you're going to have to hear about for the rest of your life. Absolutely. But then again, those are great stories to tell, you know. But it's kind of like, I think it was Alvin that always said back in the day, he's like, hey, the GM's rolling a lot more times than we uh -huh. generally are. So you really, if you, even I would say, I don't know how I like crits because the monsters are going to get more of them, it seems like. Well, Eddie and I had this conversation yesterday that, you know, when you encounter a creature, that creature is only going to be there for one or two, you know, sessions at the most. You're playing all the time as a player, so you're going to run across 
constantly being at risk of these crits. So kind of shortens your career. And that's why sometimes GMs, if, and then I kind of, because I'm that guy going, oh, Candyland. But there's something to it where maybe we won't allow the monsters crits, just players where they get the flair and all the fun or whatever. Well, you know, players are the, the elite, and so they get the bonuses, I guess. Some people think that's a good idea. They're the hero of the story, you know, so to speak. So. Well, the thing is, with a fumble, if there's a fumble system, it's gonna ha I'm going to be the guy that fumbles a lot more than your monsters are going to fumble in my favor. So that's one reason I'm like, nah, we don't have to use fumbles. <laughs> well, now, crits and fumbles in a game like Harnmaster, it it's fits. built in, right? It works. It's just a matter of how well you roll, but it's built in, and it, it just works in that system. So I like it in that, but something like first edition D&D, &D, no, not really. Well, and for D&D &D for years, most people are just like, all right, you rolled a crit. It's either going to be like roll an extra die or just maximize the die or whatever. And I'm fine with that. And it's really better to maximize because if you add an extra die, you see those wild damage spikes. Which is for fifth edition. I'm fine with the crits. And what we do is you get one max and one rolled instead of just straight up double damage. Which is brilliant. Is brilliant, and that because, like you said, anyway, you don't get that popcorn fart where, like, you get to roll two die twelve, Fred, one, one, wah, wah, which that's anticlimactic. But when you've got, you know, like, I'm going to use the crit cards, or I'm going to use this special crit table, or, mm -hmm. where then it's like now we're adding in all the wacky results where it's like your head pops off. Oof. Well, that was like they're literally in the old Iron Crown Enterprises. Um, what was that game system? But uh, Rule Master. I, I got the benefit of playing that a few times, and I had fun. It was a brilliant game master. But I can remember it's like, oh, rocks fall, you take 27 million damage, and you die. I mean, there was all this big, long spiel of what happens to you, and then at the end of it, you die. I'm like, you could have just cut all the other shit out and just, but that, that's just, I guess, fluff to let me know how I die, but just say I die. But then they go, oh, but you can spend a Joss point or where it was, or I can't remember, like a fate point, and you can negate all that. Well, wait, well, then what was the point of what, you know? Anyway, so I don't. But we say that, but then again, we're allowing the luck uh, chips or destiny chips or whatever table. It's kind of. But that's beforehand. Yeah. I don't. I don't give you this big speech about how the rocks buried you, and then the and buzzards came back and ate your eyeballs, and go, "Would you like to rewind that?" Yeah. It's, it's like, like, okay, this isn't looking favorable. You spend your luck or you don't. Right. Now you didn't. Let me tell you about how the rocks fall. On you Which know. I like the luck. No, no, no. I love it too. I, I like that. Once again, here we go bragging on. Uh, Barbarians of the Ruined Earth, but they have destiny points, which I, I give out a chip at the beginning of every adventure, and I go, all right, here's your one. And I might even reward more if someone does something really clever or dynamic in play or something. Well, if you had something like uh, the Warrior in DCC, mm -hmm. where couldn't you spend a point of luck to negate a fumble? You could, but you only had, the Warrior. If you had some system like that baked into your fumbles, mm -hmm. I'd be more inclined to go with that too, just because mm -hmm. I don't like that one where it's like, this guy is a professional warrior. This right. is all he does. He trains all the time. But as soon as he gets into battle, First he trips time, over trips his over sword his and blah, yeah. blah, blah. You're like, this guy's a seasoned warrior, well-trained. He should look know? cool. Yeah. And so, no, I'll, I'll give him that. And there, I tell you, the deed die is one of the most brilliant, wonderful things about DCC. I, I'm not a big fan of playing warriors historically and role-playing games, but I would gladly and have played dwarves and warriors in DCC because of the deed die is so damn sexy. That's one of the most brilliant things they ever did. Anyway, we went a little... Ironically, we went down a rabbit hole. So the last part of this story that makes it kind of funny is that we had done a session zero, and I said, this will probably take like an hour. We'll make the characters and go, okay, who's playing this? Who's playing that? All right, the end. Now, they equipped out their characters then too, mm -hmm. and this particular rogue player, the thief Bradley, 
he had shopped for his character like a good thief should. They should yeah. be the one taking now the see, longest hey, time props, to buy everything. When I heard about that, I was like, my boy Bradley, because if I'm going to play a rogue, I'm going to have all oh, this and that and 50 foot of rope and the oil and the pittons and the, uh, what do you call it, climbing spikes. No, I mean, I'm going to have this whole Batman utility belt. So there was know. probably at least three hours spent that day gearing out stuff. And then when we met up for our first session, <laughs> it was probably another hour Oh, wow. Of gearing up and finding out, like, oh, where can we get this? Where can we get that? Do this, do that. Ten minutes of actual playtime. He's dead. And that was, like, one minute tops of, like, adventure time. Oops. They rolled up to the house. He climbed down a well. He was instantly dead. <laughs> that was that character's lifespan. Just pow. But that's old school D&D. It is. But the great thing is... The, the whole thing with him shopping breaks the rule. But as a general rule, you can have a first edition character made in five minutes. I mean, he could be back right. at the table in five minutes. So what character did he make next? His a twin thief. brother. Yeah. And what, what did he do with about his gear? Oh, the same thing. Exactly. Same. Yeah, so again, well, easy All his stuff was recoverable. So, I mean, there was no reason to not go like, oh, yeah, we used to have a guy. Here's his stuff. Here's his stuff. That's too funny. But I will say on that one, as you talk about the – deadliness of first edition mm -hmm. everybody was a good sport about it it wasn't like mm -hmm. oh can we bend the rules because yeah. i was like man this is one minute into your adventure life i kind of would bend the rule here for you and be a nice guy but there, it was like no we all realize he would have died he's dead we'll press on and be good sports about it so i was like all right well i'm glad that it's, it's kind of like what was it um and it was such a funny death that it didn't harsh anybody's buzz either. They were yeah. like, no, he has to die, so this is hilarious. Whenever Patton you know, was going to war with his boys in, in World War II, there were a number of those guys that got shot. And they said they kept fighting and did great, but it seems like they always in the back of their mind, like, we're going to get shot. I mean, they weren't, you know, it's not yeah, like this is the shock. This is coming. You're playing first edition D&D &D, like, oh, yeah, I, I could die any minute. So you're not in that mindset of now I think people in other games and other versions would be like, I'm dead. And it's like, yeah, your character died. Well, that's not supposed to happen. It's like old school D&D, &D, you're like, oh, man. Then at the end of the session, you're like, ah, my character survived in another session. Yeah. Those old school games were so brutal. In one game, Traveler, you could die while rolling up your character. So, I mean, at least Bradley died playing. So. I think we've made that comment on the cast before. Yeah. But since we've got Gary here, mm -hmm. we've kind of uh, ambushed him on here. There was something else I was thinking about, which was our last topic, system versus setting. Ah. And with this. Your name came up. Well, talking about my first edition group, it's kind of like, is this fitting the right players to the right game? Is this mm -hmm. the right setting for you? Mm -hmm. is, do you guys like this kind of death? Because you'll have uh, Carrie. That's like, I'm just here to hit stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, if I was running Barbarians, mm -hmm. you'd be having the time of your life. Mm -hmm. But if you like to play careful, which, hey, that's me. I'm the guy that likes to play the careful game. We're the ones that our bragging rights is at the end of a DCC or MCC funnel. We still got four characters in front yep. of us. And that's like, that's our like, yes, I won, you know. Or maybe you lose one of your zero level characters, you know. So, yeah. So sometimes it's like, oh, if you want to just go through here and lick everything in the dungeon and throw every switch, okay, you can play a DCC Gonzo game. You're, yeah. you're ready for a DCC game yeah. at a con. <laughs> but if you're playing in a first edition tournament game with me, uh, please don't do that. Yeah, no, no. no. Uh, There's uh, a time say, say that one more time. Akbar. There you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
Alvin's infamous rogue who, while the rest of the party is carefully, first edition D&D again, carefully making a well-laid, well-thought-out plan of how to sail the dungeon. Suddenly he whips out his two scimitars and goes, yeah, 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 and starts banging him against the walls as he runs away from the party deeper into the dungeon. So this was before Leroy Jenkins, right? Yeah, yeah but he, he, he was the original Akbar Jenkins. <laughs> But, I mean, there you anyway. go. There's where you kind of in your session zero can have the players go, are we going to be wild and crazy or are we going to be careful and methodical? Because normally, like, we, you've heard us use the term probably monkey traps. It's just that obvious, obvious thing that you go, like, there's a red glowing gem hovering in the middle of the air. I'm not going anywhere near that. Me and Daddy look at each other and go, nope. You know, I mean, that's a monkey trap. But there's that newer player or that old season player who just never learned. Did you and say Longview Computer Center? <laughs> <laughs> They're the, if you want your computer centralized, no one can do it better. And if you want that red glowing death orb swallowed, <laughs> there's no better player to do it. Exactly. I love but, you, Cody. But you know, the fact is, those are the players that warm the GM's heart. Because if no one falls in the monkey trap, you've got a very depressed, disappointed yep. game master. But anyway, uh, 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 but we played half works a while back. We played it pretty much like orcs. And I've not laughed so much or had so much fun in years because we went against type. All the things that we wouldn't normally do, we purposely did. Like, oh, there's a glowing orb, but we're all running to try to touch it and play with it. But when everybody's on the ball for that, everyone's on the same everybody page, knows we session zeroed and said, we're going to go wild and crazy. But if you got two people being wild and crazy and two people being careful, then there's a good case for your session zero. Oil and water. And making sure that your system is matching up to the players. That's a good call, too. Because if something, I could go, hey, we're going to switch up and we're going to do this system because I can tell that would be a better fit with you guys. But so far, so good. Good. So what? Excellent. All right. So as I understand it, we are to our topic. And our topic today, as picked by Matt, is they took away your role? They took your job. That's right. Gave away my role. So please explain to the uh, audience at the table here, what does this mean? Two parts. First part is where we would love to get some feedback from you. And the second part addresses the first part. Okay. So let's say that you, I'm pointing at Gary H., that you're playing a dwarven cleric of of, of, uh, life, a life cleric. Okay. You've been playing now for about six months with your group. Love your character. Love what you do. There's a new player coming to the table. The game master says what I commonly say. Hey, guy, just play whatever you want. This guy shows up the next session playing a dwarven life cleric. Are you going to be put out? Yes. I would not be happy about that. All right. And that's probably, I think, a lot of players. But you're probably upset because that's your stick. That's your role. Okay. Now, the players might go, man, I'm tickled to have another cleric, and I'm glad they're playing a lot. Those are the best clerics, they might would all say. All clerics all the time. That's the yeah. yeah. Who would do something like that? But, so the fact is, you are one person. That would, that would irk you. Me, I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be contrary, because I'm not that guy. It's, it's the other guy over here. But the fact is, I, I don't know that it would bother me. So let me get your opinion, Mr. Eddie. Uh, it would depend. It's yeah. very situational. It, exactly. I'll say that. So here's the thing is, we want to hear from you. Would you be put out if someone shows up to the table playing, and it, not even D&D, if it's Star Warriors or whatever, and the guy shows up and he's a laser sniper just like you or whatever that's the same, 
green alien guy or whatever. My point is, would you be irked? Would you be like, yeah, I don't really care. We want to hear your feedback. So that's, go ahead. Okay, so in part one, one thing to consider, though, is like if you're the wizard, mm -hmm. now whenever you come across a spell book, it's mm -hmm. like, is that one yours or is that one mine or are we going to split this? Because some of it will be doubling up the treasure. And you, so that's one place you can see definitely that would be some definite friction for sharing the same class. Or you find one wand of fireballs that only wizards can wield. Uh-oh. I didn't have to compete before, but now I have to do with this. Yeah. Or there's been a lot of times where there's that one plus one armor or that one plus one sword that 90% of the table can use. And you're like, yeah. Oh, well, that's like when it's the in the current edition of D&D, &D, it's like, oh, you're a cleric. I'm a warrior. He's a war. Uh, some other kind of weird strain of warrior. Oh, it's plus one plate mail. Who's going to get it? Well, as the cleric, that sure helped me stay on my feet to heal. Well, I'm the warrior. I'm out in front. Well, I'm the backup tank warrior and blippity blue. So, I mean, yeah, even that causes some friction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember one where there was a plus one sword. The ranger could use it, the paladin could use it, and the cleric could use it. Yeah. It was like, who gets it? it? Yeah. And that's where I'll say AL had kind of a thing where like, and I'm kind of glad it was there to help keep cut the friction. I was like, well, you already have a magic item and I don't. Well, I never should have taken that plus one shield if I'd known there was a sword coming. Well, we didn't know. You did. You already have a magic item. I'll take the sword. Thanks a bunch. But on the positive side, I think there's been ones where me and you have done, say, wizards at the same table. Uh -huh. And it's like, you're the control wizard and I'm the blasting wizard. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to blast the crap out of them and you keep them contained in that area. Mm -hmm. It's going to work just perfectly. Yeah, that's me. If I'm playing a wizard, I'm playing a control wizard. Mm. That's a little different. Uh, you got two wizards, and you can kind of, you know, each one can go a different direction. But when you're talking about two dwarven clerics of life or whatever, that's just so specific that the new one would be stepping on the toes of the old, I think. It'd be hard to differentiate the two. So where does it cross the line? And does it seem like that new player showed up and maybe take his flattery, he really liked your character and the way you're playing him and, the, and his idiom and goes, ooh, I want to be just like that. It's flattering, but at the same time, it would be annoying. All right, so what can we do to maybe make your character more unique? So the second kid shows up with a dwarven cleric of life. But what if your character has got such a rich individual flavor, you still stand out? What could we do to sort of make that happen? Or were we ready to step into that? What indeed could we do? All right, so first of all, I, w I would say really dive deeper. So if all you can tell me is, well, my character's a dwarven cleric of life, that's it? That's all you got to tell me? Okay, character construction. So I would say, first of all, for some people, but do a search for the mother of all character questionnaires. That's a common one. It's easy to find a quick Google search or the, the 1,000 character questionnaire. Now, you might go 1,000. It seems daunting, but it's not that bad. And when you're done, you'll know everything about this character. And they can die in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm going to laugh. That's right. Um, character construction is made up of choices, and these choices should be made with imagination in order to create a unique and worthwhile character. Focusing on the word unique. Cliches produce boring characters. Sprinkle on a few, hear my words, few unusual choices. Why few? More is not always better. Too many, and your character is so oddball, they're difficult to play or obnoxious to play with. And this segues into a recent podcast. I think we touched kind of on that. Write up a description. Now, this is where I'd say first, keep it as general as possible to avoid pigeonholing yourself into a specific class and avoid game jargon. The description should be in first person, I, me, so that your player character becomes more personalized. I would say include general appearance, not just height and weight. 
eye color, shape, hair color, style, kempt, unkempt, race, skin tone, build, with slender, husky, stocky, etc. Lactose intolerant. Exactly. Armor and weapons, equipment. Now, see, once again, a lot of times who does this, but describe them. Break the mold. You're a fighter with a long sword? Yawn. Fight with a staff, a spear. Uh, wear lighter armors. Take feats, etc. that benefit from that. Uh, or work with your GM to go, hey, I could be wearing plate, but I'm going to wear light armor. Give me some Benny for that. Uh, if a sword, describe ruins etched into the blade, a ribbon tied to it, and what's the backstory of that ribbon? Is it a favor from some fair maiden or, you know, whatever? Your mom gave it to you before you went off to the adventuring life. Uh, use ribbons, medallions, or favors on your armor or weapons to show that others, ladies, nobles, uh, lords, political religious figures, hold you in high regard. How does your character appear to others? Poor, but tries to dress sharp? Do they pull it off, or is this that ascot on wrong? Rich, but they dress down, ashamed of wealth, on the lamb, run away? Why? <clears throat> Other things that kind of give your character detail, do they walk with a limp? Do they have a st 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 stutter? Do they have a lisp? Do they fidget? Are they shy? Do they have an eye patch? A wooden leg? Do they become enraged when they see minotaurs? Exactly. And that's, yeah, that's the kind of interesting, that's a great bit of flavor. Um, family history, culture. They can inform us on how to play your character or choose a culture and go against the cliche. He's a barbarian who tries to act cultured, but when they lose their temper, drink too much, get under stress, their rough culture comes out. Uh, every dwarf has a Scottish accent. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Try Yiddish, Ukrainian, or none at all. Maybe a Yoda. I was great was uh, Gary's character, Yuri, you know, had a, Gary pulled off a great, you know, Russian accent, which the famous line, you know. I, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Yuri. Yuri calls bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> we remember. Yeah, the table broke up over that one because Gary had a great Russian accent. Yuri. Anyway, um, avoid completely choices that shut down play. Do not be that person. Know your playgroup and their characters. I'm playing a super goody-goody paladin, but the rest of the party are super grindball scumbags. This, this refers back to a recent podcast. We talked about this, but as part of this making your character unique or interesting, remember, if you're going to play some character who's a real sleazeball, but the rest of the party are goody-goodies or vice versa. I'm a lone wolf. Yeah, Ugh. don't be that guy. Yeah, motivation. You're, you're a fighter, but why do you fight? I wanted to be a wizard, but Dad said, that's pansy stuff, so here I am. I'm a closet psychopath, and I love the gore. I'm an adrenaline junkie. My grandfather was a fighter. My dad was a fighter. My brothers were fighters. Family tradition, etc., etc. Why are you class X? This may tie into your goals. Secrets. We all have them. So does your PC. These can add depth. Secret spouses, secret family, secret identity, secret siblings, troublesome, unpopular, works for a shady patron, phobias, scarring, mental trauma. Share with the game master and they can weave in subplots that let you act, react to your secret stuff. That adds some depth. Uh, what are the PC's long-term goals? In order of the stick, the comic, the, fa the female rogue, Haley, seems like your usual sticky-fingered, greedy rogue, skimming off the top. But secretly, Haley was saving to buy her dad a jail. That was like our long-term goal. And then you're like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, that she, she was still doing the typical rogue shtick, but here's the reason why. Um, so sit down with your paper and pencil and jot stuff down, just a quick little jot them down. So, okay, thief with a wooden leg who came from a noble family but fled the life. Wants to amass his own fortune, make his own name, 
secretly does errands for the leader of a major religious group, long-term goal of winning the hand and the heart of his childhood sweetheart. Okay, so we got that quick outline. Now, this all sounds pretty good, but what makes it great? Take each of these and ask why. Why? Boom. Boom. The details that come out of this will really flesh out your character and give you guidance on how to play them and react to things in gameplay. Yeah. So your topic was actually how to build a better PC. Well, I'm saying that makes him more unique, right? But you know what I would say a good topic for a podcast would be how to make a great PC. Well, yeah, absolutely. How, how to build a better character. Well, sure. I mean, that segues into that. It does indeed. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? About building a better PC? Sure. Or about your topic? Well, about the topic. Aren't you talking about the same thing? Well, the topic so. <laughs> is the topic is they took your job. Well, sure, and then so, but you have to think about it. Is you're going, hey, this guy took my stick. Now I'm not unique anymore. Well, yeah, because you're you're going off. I'm a dwarf who's a life cleric. End of story. It's like, well, sure, if he's playing another dwarven life cleric, yeah, he took your stick. But think if you had this rich, detailed character I'm talking about. Well, you think you're, you're standing out. Sure, that other kid's playing, a person's playing a dwarven life cleric, but he's not, doesn't have a peg leg and an eye patch and, you know, was kicked out of the dwarven lands because he broke dwarven convention and blah, blah, blah. So how to build a better backstory. Sure, okay. But again, it's about how do you differentiate yourself and make your character unique. Mm -hmm. And don't be so tied up in just, I'm a dwarven life cleric, and that's the end of my character. I don't know that I've always done that, but in some characters, some of the most fun characters I've played, I did that very thing. I mean, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms, but I just would try to take a unique angle with the character. Um, the monk I played, um, his main focus on was on his ability to see and observe and, and perceive everything. And, you know, you played in the same group with that monk, so you saw how effective that was. When I played um, a war mage in 3.5, I wasn't the typical orb-throwing war mage. I took a different approach, and it was very effective. Uh, I had a fighter that was a spear fighter. You mentioned that a little while ago. Um, and then some of the backstories. I just would do that as a matter of course to, to make it more interesting for me to play. But uh, I guess that's a way to make yourself stand out if you're playing with someone else with a you know another fighter in the group but they're a typical sword and board so i don't know it is a good idea i think well thank you and that's i'll say some of the most memorable characters i've had and so i remember years of playing with you were ones that had like i'll i know scarbrow is what damien or whatever and his dad was like a the evil priest or whatever and you were like whoa and you broke away from them you're still your guy was a little rough around there just because how he was raised and who he was raised by but that's but it informed you on how to play your character right so if there so if i as a gm pose a situation well how should my character react to this Looking into their backstory, well, how we I think a person with this background would react to that. Right. Uh, the Minotaur I mentioned a little while ago with the monk. The reason he hated the Minotaurs so much, he was a crewman on board a ship, and a pirate ship ran by a, um, a Minotaur attacked and killed the majority of the crew, including almost him, left him for dead. So from then on, he would see a Minotaur he would uh, lose his normal cool and discipline and go on a rampage and attack. So. Go berserk. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Come on, Ed. Come on, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> so how to make your character different. Or more unique. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. The yeah. yeah Man, absolutely. That's the actual topic. Well, <laughs> okay. There you go. There's your topic. I'm so sorry. I'm, I misled you to begin with. But anyway. No, I actually think that could be its own standalone episode, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, if you just simply said someone's playing your same shtick and, and you either going to go, I don't like it or I do. End of story. I mean, mm-hmm. so then it's like, well, then, but it's kind of like, I think in a recent podcast, we're like, here's the problem. Well, yeah, it was like, here's the problem. How do we fix it? Session zero. And then we went into talking uh, about session zero. Or bringing this up. Session zero is a good way to avoid this. Yeah. First of all, you can prevent, you know, two people from playing the same thing. And then if they do decide to play the same thing, well, how are you going to be different from each other? So it's, it's, we keep circling back to session zero, and it's kind of a probably thing that's been going on for years in some people's table. They just know what to call it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but it definitely, I'm a big proponent of it now. And like I said, it avoids a lot of these problems. But that's the same thing I was trying to get at was for the person that would be mad that like this new player is playing my same racer class or my same class. Well, then I want to point them and go, well, you need to do things to make yourself more unique or differentiate yourself that you're just, you're not just defined by your race or your class. But even if nobody is taking your job, Hey, why not make a unique character? Why don't you do things a little bit different? You don't have to be the min-maxed, optimized build. You can be a half-orc wizard. Yeah. You're going to be unusual. Yeah. And sometimes when you have that low stat, mm-hmm. play to that low stat. Even though it's like, well, I had one recently where I made a sorcerer, but this was barbarian, so it was the intel that mattered. He had very low intel. So why? What happened in your backstory? Why do you have this lower intel? And you can always quest for it to raise it up. The half-orc group that we had, uh, the uh, funny part about that was the intelligent orc in the group had a 10. So, I mean, that was the smart orc in the group. And talking about one of the things I always like about DCC is if you're going to play DC, roll your stats. And if you're going to roll your stats, that's one of the things I loved was, and I brought this up before I think on here, but in the party, our wizard was stronger than our fighter and the mm-hmm. fighter was more intelligent than the yeah. wizard but dcc knowing that that's how the roles can go bake things in to make up for those shortcomings the warrior was still every bit the warrior that you'd want him to be and the wizard was every bit the wizard you'd want him to be but by he could also cast fist oh yeah absolutely <laughs> so yeah i mean you know because 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 that's I'll, I'll say that back in those days when we rolled stats there were memorable characters that really their stats weren't that impressive and they weren't min maxed and I'll say this, when Eddie ran us on Borderlands, what's been, God, now a year or something ago or more, um, when I went to make a rogue, yeah, when I made a rogue for that, I did min-max. I purposely said, I'm, I'm hoping there'll be some opportunity for role play, and I'm not going to min-max. And I made the character more, just to be more well-rounded and, and to the kind of mindset of, because like you're talking about, the, the uniqueness of the character in the background and, and who he's supposed to be and where he's coming from, it wouldn't make sense for him to be super strong and really dumb and uncharismatic or whatever. I was like, no, he, he's relatively charismatic and blah, blah, blah. So definitely make the stats fit this idea of a character, even if it's not the most optimal build or whatever. And like I said, what is a staff as a warrior? But a staff, a warrior the staff, you know, I bet there's a way in 5th edition with the feats you could make it work and be great. If nothing else, you'll be unique. You'll be interesting. Yeah, you know. which is just since I've got first edition on the mind too, is when you had weapon proficiencies and all mm-hmm. that, where it's like, yeah, you in fifth edition it'd be a lot easier to be a guy with a staff 
mm-hmm. than it would be back then just because of the magic items that you're going to come across. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, do you have the proficiency for that? Whereas it's what all martial weapons or something like that for fifth edition, it's like, yeah, you can still use it. Yeah. And, but that's where we talk about like quest for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. A good GM sees, I see you're doing something to be interesting and different that might not be the most optimal thing. I'll probably throw you a bone to help make up for the fact that you were trying to do something interesting or unique and not power game, you know. Be the guy that uses the whip. Yeah. Woof. But anyway. Yeah. But uh, which depends if you're into that sort of thing. Um, there are dungeon masters. But anyway, uh, but that's like some of my most memorable role-playing characters were the ones where I really got into their, their mind. Like, yeah, and that way, because I can remember the famous game where Alvin was running and he threw an elder, some full-grown whatever, blue dragon at us. And Gary looks over at me in character, you know, as uh, 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 Scarbrow. And he's like, well, are we going to fight it, Merrick? And I'm thinking, Matt Gullett's going, this is dumb, dumb, dumb. And I went, Merrick's crazy. Merrick goes, why not? You know, <laughs> you know I'm your huckleberry. And they charged in and narrowly pulled out a victory. But anyway, but yeah, so you, you, it informs you on how to play your character when given some, hopefully if a good game master, game mistress, gives you that interesting situation like, do you stay to help the peasants or do you run to fight the orcs that are trying to burn the church or whatever? Uh, what would my character do, not what would I do? And sometimes you might alienate you the party mates, as long as it's not something, like we talked about, don't play that character, where it's all the time, every time. But in that moment, they might be like, dude, you know, you're going to do X, and you're going to like, my character would do Y. You know? Yeah, and we've talked about, you know, sometimes try and play a character that you don't really identify with that is different than something you would do, and don't yeah. be the same character every time. Mm. Oh, God, please don't. Don't be that person. <laughs> you know, stretch. You know, I, I remember we played a post-APOC game where Gary played a guy that was a pyromaniac, and I won't go into other details, but I was like, damn, Gary. You know, I mean, he was – but it's a role-playing game, and I'm mature enough to realize he's, it's not him, it's the character, but he did some pretty sleazy grind ball stuff <laughs> in that game where I'm like, damn, son, you know. But, you know. Anyway, but that was him stretching and trying to role play, you know, something different and interesting. So anyway. All right. Do you have anything else on that topic? I think I've pretty much beat that horse. All right. Just before we go away, I wanted to say one more thing that I was thinking about with the first edition group. Sure. For their first adventure, Mm kind of sort of like a session zero, I had a merchant that was selling dungeon gear. Mm. And he gave them little tips. Like, hey, keep in mind, in old D&D, crap's going to drip on you all the time. So mm-hmm. keep your shield up or keep something above you. When you see that cloak across the room, anything you see in the dungeon back in the day, that's a mimic or a cloaker or a lurker above or a, you know, whatever else. Yeah, yeah, a rug of smothering because that yeah. one was actually kind of funny because it was like if you go into the room and you see a cloak, that cloak is going to be beautiful until it smothers you. And then when you see the ceiling, it's going to be beautiful until it smothers you. And then when you see the rug, and it's going to be beautiful until it smothers you. <laughs> Everything in the dungeon is trying to kill you. Please <laughs> pretty, be careful. Pretty much. But, you know, it's funny, and I, it kills me. Keep talking about making fun, though, maybe somewhat of Bradley's shopping list, but that was the back in the day was you didn't have all these bells and whistles abilities as a class. And all that stuff, there was no 10-foot poles. I just so the merchant say, was like, did you get a 10-foot did, pole? He said, did you ever not buy a 10-foot pole and 50-footed rope and some pittons and stuff and old school? If you were smart, you bought those things. I mean, every player had that stuff. It was standard issue. Here's the other thing that he reminded them of. Bludgeoning weapons. 
Right. Like it was like, what are you gonna what are you gonna do when you hit a skeleton? Yeah. You'd be out of luck. Because nowadays they, it's not as penal, penalty some whatever, but but back in the day it's like, oh, you're attacking with an edge weapon on a skeleton tee or certain monsters. Oh, you hit a, an edge sword on that one slime, you cut it in two. Now you're fighting two of them with the same amount of hit points or something like. Ugh. You know, yeah. So instead of saying it by GM fiat or mm-hmm. just like I'm gonna laugh at you when you'd make these mistakes, mm-hmm. I had somebody there that had a little bit more. So you could have a retired adventurer, mm-hmm. or you could have the salesman like I did, where he got some money off of him because of all oh, this yeah. good advice. Yeah. I'm like, make sure you take one of these. Make sure you take one of those. So there's a way that you can impart wisdom to your characters like that too. Very nice. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I would say, but like I said, in talking about the retired you know adventurer, I was talking about earlier thing about making your character unique goals, like long term goals. What would your character's goal? And it's kind of like, why do you adventure as a fighter or something? And that'd be like, do you intend to one day, I want to have my own barony and, or have my own fighter school or something to teach other fighters. Or I'm hoping one day to have enough money to buy my own inn and tavern, settle down and just get fat and happy. And Well, with first you know. edition, that's one of the things that I am looking forward to in that because it's, I guess it's more codified or more encouraged in first edition than say fifth. Mm-hmm. And just the sheer amount of loot that they're about to get. Yeah. Or it was like, oh, remember to take all the rugs out of this place, and if they don't smother you, they're worth 5,000 gold pieces. Oh, yeah. Or take that uh, painting off the wall, mm-hmm. take all their silverware. I mean, completely loot this thing, and there's just gold and gold and gold. Yeah. We high take, risk, high reward. Right. We, we take, take for granted that, like, oh, books are nothing now. But back in the time like that, a printed, bound, well-made book, that was worth money, big money. Yeah, so that's, yeah, I see players nowadays are like, well, it's like there's a whole bookshelf full of beautiful lemonade books. Yeah, okay, whatever. I'm like, they don't know. Well, uh, the rogue at one point found an amethyst, mm-hmm. and he immediately swallowed it. And then a couple of rooms later, they found some old books laying around, and they actually did go through them and found some of worth. And one of them was the magical properties of gemstones. And so the mage picks it up and is reading through it. And they're like, I want to look up Amethyst. And I was like, of all the gems to swallow, this one has been reported to be the most painful and causes severe abdominal distress. (laughs) Good luck passing this one. (laughs) So there are ways that you can work stuff like that into. And books are treasures. Uh, No, absolutely. For real life. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but that's well you have to think that's what I missed that was in the original D and D every level had a name you know you were a oh, sorcerer right. and a so and so and then a necromancer and finally at tenth level you were actually called a wizard and then also then that's like, so that was like the title like you got to be you know whatever a lord at tenth level fighter or whatever and the idea was in the game it was said that like at eighth level you'll begin to uh, acquire retainers like at ninth level you require like a sergeant and then like at tenth level you'll a captain will show up or something you know the difference between a henchman and Mm -hmm. a hireling Uh uh-huh yeah 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 and i missed that that was the beauty of like nowadays players are like this dungeon sounds grander let's go you know but back then it'd be like oh shit uh, you know what their safety in numbers let's go hire three or four guys hopefully when that monster attacks one of us at random he'll hit one of them <laughs> instead of us hirelings were just kind of thinning out you know just you know, yeah trying to spread yourself around and more targets well, of opportunity yeah. who's, who's watching their oxen cart yeah. and they've got old Joe the sailor who told them about the haunted house and made up the story for drinks so yeah that's the kind of thing where with first edition you do pick up more of those 
tag along NPCs. And but stuff. I miss those. Yeah, it's fun. You guys were doing that in the DCC games we were playing, and that kind of held back to the old days of yep. uh, first edition D&D. So I kind of like the idea of henchmen and hirelings. Makes it more interesting, I think. Well, you remember the henchmen y'all had? It was just dumb luck. Y'all approached the Singing Stone, and everybody choked out a crappy uh, wisdom save, and was going to sit there mesmerized by this stone to the end of time. And y'all were like, "Oh crap!" And this was like 20 minutes into our first session of DCC. But then suddenly someone, wait, we hired that guy back in town. I went, "All right, guys, somebody make a roll for him." And everybody's looking intently as the dice is rolled, and the henchman makes the wisdom save and saves the party. Comes and slaps everybody in the face, like "Snap out of it" or whatever. Because there's a bunch of skeletons at the base of the Singing Stone where other people have heard its siren call and just knelt down beside it and sat there until they starved to death or whatever. So it's just, if it wasn't for that henchman, and he stayed with y'all for, yeah, well, to about third level, and I think he died. And when he died due to a stray attack, everybody at the table was like, not old so-and-so. And And then I was, yeah, everybody was like, you know what, if he's dead, it's we're, I don't know. even want to play anymore. Exactly. No, I mean, so beloved henchmen, that's awesome. You don't get that nowadays. I'm going to want to play DCC again. No, Uh-oh. what you want to play is first edition again. Yeah. <laughs> so just just come on out when you have I'm a free Tuesday. I'm not unemployed. I can't when make you have the a game. free Tuesday. <laughs> we need to get you on disability for something, Gary. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Now, I won't lie. I'm totally jelly. It's kind of the, the sad irony. I've been telling Eddie, I'm like, come on, man. We got to do that Osric thing. I, I really want to do that Osric thing. Let's get that Osric thing going. And then, hey, we got it going, but it's you time when I can't play. Yeah, and we, that was something we were going to do for the show so that we could kind of give you a review, review of it. And really, I'm enjoying the sinister secret of Saltmarsh as a GM, but it's like now I don't really have a player opinion to give. Because that would have been you, and we'd have gone yeah. back and forth running stuff. Oh yeah, I could but totally, I could trash his jamming. You know, they're having fun. Yeah, I'm having fun. It was a really good adventure, and just to make this a little bit longer, mm-hmm. there was some particular system that I really used to like. Mm-hmm. That one of their adventures was, I guess, I wouldn't say accused because it was pretty much proven that it was a lift of another adventure. Uh, oh. And as I was running this one, I had run one of those. I'm keeping it all very mysterious and nebulous right now because we'll get sued because yeah. everyone's listening to this podcast yeah, just the, waiting. The trend-setting, groundbreaking podcast that we are. But I don't want to, to besmirch someone that we've already besmirched some. But anyway, yeah. there was a particular trap in this one that, of a room. Mm-hmm. It's the same room. It's the same type of creature, and it's the basically the same kind of bait. They're like, we've played this adventure before. I was like, you have not played this adventure before, trust me. But they're like, but we remember that. And I was like, you do indeed remember that. And since this is such a well-known, popular module, it's not one that's really under the radar. Because, I mean, they just redid it for 5th edition. I was Mm -hmm. like, this does kind of seem like there might be some loving homage <laughs> from this one as well what is it uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery you know? yep but i guess that's kind of if you're uh, what credence clearwater revival and it's like why does he sound so much like the old band well that's the way he sounds when it's somebody else's so I love there's some of these little convos after the podcast. Yeah, there's going to be one of those like. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to hear the rest of it, folks, yeah. give us some feedback. Uh-huh. But anyway. And should we do a full podcast on the actual topic, which was how to make a better character? Because 
seriously, Matt is fantastic at that. Aww. That casting call, doing the, is it a thousand or is it a hundred questions? There's one that I, okay, do you remember uh, Adrastus, my ward mage in fourth edition? I built him using the thousand question. I think I've done it before too. Yeah. And it's really good, but that's not one you do for every character. No, you probably I, no, don't do no, it for no. your first edition character no, until no, they're no. fifth level or something. No, right, right. But but still, I would definitely go with the mother of all questionnaires. That one's probably like 100, 150 questions. It'll really help you trigger those questions. And like I said, when you know all those tidbits about your character, it really helps you get in the mindset of your character. You know what I mean? So if this is something we can mine further, yeah, let us know because yeah. I do think that's a good topic, Ann. Central casting, yeah. Central casting. Yeah, yeah, Gary's one that got me turned on central casting. I own the modern and the fantasy and the superhero version. If you can get your hands on them, and I believe that Janelle is redoing those yep. for our modern age, all PC'd up. And but, Matt's uh, the one that turned me on to that, so oh, I didn't yeah. even know. Yeah, it, it all goes. It all flows back to Gary. This yeah, whole thing. Exactly. That all the you know the the, the dark path leads back to the this this. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, yeah. All right, well, sir? I think that's about time because I can see by the clock on the wall. We're, we're all, all out of hit, hit points. points. Ah.